0: Let's all take our Bibles tonight and open up to the book of James. James, and we're going to go to chapter 5. James chapter 5. And we'll be reading from verse uh, 13 to 18. James 5, 13 to 18. I'd like to invite you to stand if you can. Stand to your feet, and we'll read these verses together. James 5:13 to 18, and then we'll remain standing for a moment of prayer, and then you may be seated. And so, let us begin. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. May God bless His Word to our hearts. And I want you to notice once again, verse 15, the prayer of faith. That's what we're talking about tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, please increase our faith. Please help us, Lord, to know You better. We can know more about You by faith than we can by human reasoning, logic, and intellect. Please, we pray, make the subject real and vital to us. Awaken uh, our hearts again. Stir these slumbering cords again. We pray that the Holy Spirit would use the Word of God and the few words we offer to stir up and build up our faith. Our Father, have Thine own way in our church, and in our hearts and lives and our homes, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. You know, you all know that we're all supposed to pray, and uh, in order for prayers to be received by God and for God to answer these prayers, they meet, need to be done by faith. Prayer and faith go together. If you have no faith, you're not going to pray. If you ever talked to someone and, and suggested they pray about something and maybe they said, oh, I, I used to pray. Oh, you used to? Yeah, I don't anymore. Well, why, why don't you pray? Well, I tried it and it doesn't work. And so I don't pray anymore. They've lost their faith in prayer, right? That's what's happened. And so uh, any one of us that loses our faith in, in God answering prayer, we're going to stop praying. And it doesn't just happen to unsaved people. A lot of unsaved people pray and quit because they lose their faith in God. It happens to save people and they get discouraged and they get hurt and they don't understand. And the devil is in there. Oh, he's in there like a dirty shirt and he's he's beating them up and he's giving them reasons why God doesn't care about them. God doesn't uh, listen anymore. And on and on it goes. And so, um, bottom line is they don't pray. Sad, isn't it? But in order for God to hear and answer prayer, Prayers must be made by faith. How do we know that? Well, James talks about the uh, prayer of faith here. Um, We won't turn there, but in Hebrews 11, Paul wrote, and he, he said, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so faith is very, very much involved in prayer. Maybe you have some loved one who's not saved. Maybe it's a brother or sister, a mother father, a son or daughter. Perhaps an aunt or an uncle. Uh, maybe grandma or grandpa. Someone that uh, uh, is not saved. And so you're praying for them, and then after some period of time, you give up. Why is it that we do that? Why do we give up? It's, uh, again, because there's a lack of faith. If our faith were strong, we, we wouldn't give up. We'd keep on praying. It would just be very natural. We, um, we always keep up with things that we, we have faith in. That's the way it goes. Uh, so James talks about the prayer of faith. <clears throat> the question is, when you pray, are you praying by faith? Now, I want to tell you a true story happened to me back in December of 1980. December of 1980. It seems like a whole lifetime ago, but I guess it wasn't that long. But December of 1980, I was still in Bible college. I was in London, Ontario. I was five months away from graduation. And I had $700. That was just enough money to carry me through to pay all my school bill through to May so I could graduate. The college had this funny little policy that no one was allowed to graduate if they still owed money to the college. And so I figure, well, I'm okay. I've, I've got $700 and that's enough to get me through to graduation. Now our college was meeting in a large church facility there in London, Ontario. But the college had actually outgrown the size of the church facilities. And it was December 1980, and the college president uh, stood up in chapel and told us all about a new building they found that um, they might be able to buy. And this building would allow the college to spread out and to grow more and to minister more. And so they asked uh, the student body, if uh, anyone was able to give toward the building fund, that now would be the time to do it. Now, typically, asking Bible college students for money is something like uh, asking for something that's not there. Bible college students typically don't have money and they scrimp by. That's normal for Bible college students. But I was sitting there and I thought about my $700. And I went back to my dormitory, and I can remember thinking about it, and I decided I'd pray to God for guidance, what I should do. I had, while in Bible college, read some uh, stories uh, about men uh, of God, men of God both in the Bible and throughout Christian history, who had done some pretty amazing things for God just by giving. And I I thought of Hudson Taylor. I, I read that portion of his life. Hudson Taylor, as he was preparing for the mission field, and he knew that when he got on the mission field, he'd have to live by faith. And he was living in England at the time. He was getting his needs met. He was a young medical man. And um, he decided he was going to just start trusting the Lord. And so in Hudson Taylor's life, at one point, he got right down to his last little bit of money. His uh, employer had forgotten to pay him. But he determined not to tell his employer, but rather to pray to God about it. And this one night, he was down to his last little coin, his last little piece of money. There was a knock on the door, and a poor man asked him, Mr. Hudson, come quickly, my wife is sick. And so he was a very, very poor man, and Hudson got his coat on, and he went along the, the streets there the of, of, of London, and down the back alley and up a rickety old set of stairs, and... In this little shamble of an apartment, if you call it that, there was the, the man's wife and three or four little children with, you know, sunken eyes looking up at him. And um, so he ministered the best he could for the the lady. He gave her aspirin, I guess, and tried to um, read some scriptures. And um, he could see they were living in squalor. Now things were different back then. They had no government programs like there are today. And there certainly was no Salvation Army either. And so um, the Holy Spirit was tugging on his heart. And he thought, you know, this, this coin, if only it wasn't that much. Maybe if it was two coins, he'd gladly give one. you know. But he had to keep the other. He had nothing, nothing. And finally, you know, the man was saying, Sir, if you can do anything to help us, please help us. And so slowly, he reached down in his pocket and he took out this coin. It was the last bit of money he had. And he reached out and he put it in the man's hand. All of a sudden, his heart felt better. He he said, you may think that I'm a wealthy man, but the truth is that's the last piece of money I owe, uh, that I own. But I gladly give it to you to help you out. Because we have a Heavenly Father that will look after our needs. And He was able to share with a very a lighted heart and uh, a bright face of God's goodness. And um, he left and went back to his his apartment not having a clue what was going to happen. But I won't spoil the story, no spoiler here for you, but uh, you need to read his life story and what happened and how God looked after him and not only met his needs but gave him way more. You see, that's that Luke 6.38 principle I was sharing with you. Give, and it shall be given unto you, because God is no man's debtor. And so I can remember reading this, and it really impressed my heart. And as a young man in Bible college, I knew I wanted to live for the Lord. I wanted to live by faith. I wanted to have a story to tell. I wanted God to look after me. I wanted to cast myself on the Lord like how I thought Hudson Taylor cast himself on the Lord. And so after praying about it, I decided I would take my $700, and I put it in an envelope with a little note saying that it was meant for the building fund, and I sealed it up, and then I secretly slipped it under the president's door. And uh, I was pretty excited about that. Um, Next week in chapel, they made mention that someone had anonymously given uh, $700 to the building fund. No one knew it was me. No one had a clue except the devil. The devil knew. That's when he started in on me. And the devil told me what a fool I was. What an idiot. What a numbskull. What a dummy. What a moron. He he went through all the vocabulary I knew, plus some I didn't had never heard of. And the devil really started to beat me up on this and told me, you are in trouble now, bud. You took money that was meant for your schooling and you did Did something else with it. Those people, they'll get lots of money. They don't need your money. But you need that money. And the devil really started to beat me up on this. And so uh, I thought, oh boy, what have I done? What would happen to me? Was the devil right? Had I made a terrible mistake? All I wanted to do was honor the Lord. Have I just sunk my own boat? That's how I felt. Well, I went home for Christmas, and I uh, had a nice Christmas time, but uh, no one gave me anything. I had no, no one pressed money into my hands or nothing like that. And so when I got back to Bible college, you know, I was pretty concerned. Uh, I had no, no source of income. I had no money. And, but I had worries. Um, My little prayer of faith. Oh boy. It seemed like my, I was waiting for my ship to come in and it sunk out at sea somewhere like the Titanic. And anyhow, truth is, I had nothing to worry about. Because His eye is on the sparrow. And I know that He cares for me. In Psalm 55, it says, "...Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer." the righteous, to be moved. Remember those words. So I got back to Bible college and I didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, very quickly one day uh, a fellow student came up to me and asked me if I was interested in a job. I said, I'll take it. He said, well, it's only for a couple of months. I said, I'll take it. He said, we might have to drive far out of town to, to get there. I said, I'll take it. He said, the job is working on an assembly line. I said, I'll take it. He said, it's actually a bit of a boring job. We'll be checking serial numbers against 3 by 5 cards. And I said, I'll take it. He said, oh, why didn't you say so? The job ended up being for the Ford Motor Company in St. Thomas, Ontario. And I was being paid union wages. Be still my heart. (laughs) That was a lot of money back then. And um, when the job was finished after a couple of months, I not only had all my $700 back, I had a whole lot more money back as well. And I was able to buy myself a nice suit of clothes as well by the time I graduated. I graduated in style. <laughs> oh, God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You want to believe it, he is. God will never allow the righteous to be moved. He, his promise. Now look at it again here. Verse 15. The prayer of faith. And in this case, it says, shall save the sick. Well, after graduation, my wife and I got married. May the 2nd, 1981. And then after a two-week honeymoon, we, uh, we started to set up home in the city of Ottawa. And I started a church. Uh, move ahead a couple of years. September 1984. God blessed us with our first child, that was Becky, and then a year and a few months later, Christmas of 1985, my wife and I were so thankful to God for all of his blessings, and for how he had uh, watched over us, and we felt in our hearts we wanted to do something for him, something by faith. And so after we talked about it and prayed about it, we decided, now I would get paid once a month in the church that we started. They would write me a check once a month, and that was to last me for the month. And so uh, I had just gotten my paycheck for December. And we thought, let's do this. Let's do this for the Lord. We paid our rent. And then we turned around and we gave the entire paycheck back to the Lord as a Christmas gift. We figured that that would be the most vulnerable time of the year we had. Because at Christmas you get all kinds of extra expenses coming on you, right? And so we figured, we'll do it at Christmas. Christmas by faith. And the Lord will see our hearts and He will look after us. And we want to do this for the Lord and honor the Lord this way. And so that's what we did. And no one knew. We never told anyone about it. We just trusted the Lord to take care of us. The devil happened to notice what we did. (laughs) And that very same devil that got after me in Bible college He kept track of me all those years and he found me and gave me quite a thrashing and told me, you dummy, you stupid. And he started to beat me up again. Do you realize what you've done? You've taken money. That 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 church doesn't need the money. You need the money. How are you going to buy groceries? How are you going to put gas in your tank? Why, you fool! He over and over was beating me up and telling me what a mistake I had made. And uh, how that now I was going to have to just fry or die or something because it's like the devil said, you just watch. You just wait. That thing in Bible college, that was a fluke. That was a freak. This is different. I'll tell you something. You're going to starve and so is that baby of yours. And boy, the devil really got after me. He really did. And so I told my wife about it and all we could do was just trust the Lord because we had no other source of income. All we could do was just pray and just trust the Lord and see what would happen. Well, the first two or three weeks of December, 1985, we put up the Christmas tree and um, we started to eat what food we had in our cupboards. And uh, week after week, we had nothing coming in. No one gave us anything. The cupboards got... uh, Have you ever heard of Mother Hubbard's cupboards? Have you ever heard of that? You know, Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard to get her for Doggy a Bone. Once she got there, the cupboard was bare, and so the poor doggie had none, right? Well, that's how I felt, because after uh, three weeks, our cupboards were bare, the refrigerator was empty, uh, my gas tank was empty, I purposely drove very little that month, only what I absolutely had to drive because I had no money for gas, and so for the three weeks there or so of December we ate into whatever limited resources we had. till finally came Sunday, December 22nd, and Mother Hubbard's... Listen, we we didn't even have cupboards. (laughs) It was all gone. No, I'm sorry. We might have had about a half a loaf of bread. That's about what we had. But that Sunday, I really felt in my heart, God has to do something. Today is the last chance. God has to do something. Because after today, I mean, then you get into the, the Christmas break and all that. Today is Sunday. Surely God will do something. And so I tried to encourage my wife. And so we went to church that Sunday. Uh, it was real snowy and everything. A lot of snow on the ground in the city of Ottawa, December, coming up to Christmas there. Snow on the ground. We got to church. Church people came, and uh, I greeted them shook their hands, they came all down in. We had a church service and I preached about our wonderful Savior and how He was virgin-born, the Son of God. I preached as best I knew how. After the church service, I stood at the back and I started shaking hands. And I shook everyone's hand. And Merry Christmas, Pastor. Merry Christmas to you, Brother. Merry Christmas, Sister. And I shook all their hands. And uh, the last one went out. And I looked down at my hand and it was empty. There's nothing there. I thought, how can that be? Nothing. No one gave us anything. No one gave us a card. No one gave us a Christmas gift. No one gave us an envelope with money in it. Nothing. I came empty-handed. I'm leaving empty-handed. What went wrong? Well, there's always tonight, I thought. We've got the evening service. I feel sorry for churches that don't have evening services. What do you think? Isn't it wonderful to have an evening service? It's great on the Lord's Day, isn't it? And so my wife and I and, and little baby Becky, and she was about a year and four months old by that point, point. and so we got in the car. Now, in our car, we had this little red light that would come on when we'd have a one-eighth of a tank of gas left. The light would come on, and the light is to tell you, um, uh, <coughs> stupid, go and get some gas. That's what the little light says. And the light was burning brightly, and we had less than an eighth of a tank because that light had been on for a few days. It didn't just come on. But uh, we still drove home. We got home that Sunday afternoon. And um, I think we had bread and water, something like that, for um, Sunday lunch. Something like that. My wife and I sat there at the kitchen table looking at each other, Neither one of us wanted to verbalize what we were thinking. We smiled. And so back to church we went that Sunday evening. And I thought, yes, it's going to happen. It's coming. I can feel it. Someone's going to press an envelope into our hands and our problems will be solved. You wait and see. Shut up, devil. And so we got to church that evening. And it was, of course, the last Sunday before Christmas. Christmas was on a Wednesday. Christmas Eve was on Tuesday night. And um, we got to church that evening. And again, I preached all about our wonderful Savior. And I shook hands with all the people as they left. Merry Christmas, Pastor. Merry Christmas, Brother. Merry Christmas, Pastor. Merry Christmas, Sister. God bless you. And I shook hands with all of the people. And in the last hand I shook. I looked down and my hand was empty. And I I tried to take it in. I tried to, no, no, there's something there. I just can't see it. And I shook and I looked and it was still empty. And that's when I started believing the devil's lies. We were the last ones out and we're locking up. And I was just as down as down could be. And I thought, well, it's over. The jig is up. I guess I really did misunderstand the Lord's will. I guess what I did didn't exactly honor God. We've suffered all month long. We've lost weight. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And we went and we got, we got into the car. And, uh, you know, I tell you, I thought we were going to die. I thought it was that bad. The little, time to go home now, that little red light, Um, for the gas, was shining brighter than the car headlights. I have never... I owned that car for several years. I had never seen that light shine so bright for so many days. Never. And that thing was as bright as could be. And I can remember just kind of sitting there like that, behind the wheel, expecting, you know, as I'm driving, expecting any minute for the car to go and gasp and give up the ghost and die on the side of the road. And being the cold of winter, we'd be stuck and we would freeze to death. Solid. They'd find me and the rest. You know, my wife like this. And I had it all pictured out in my brain. What would happen to us? And um, while I was thinking about this, you know, you sort of drive automatically some days. And we turned in and I pulled into the parking spot. And I said, we made it home. And I said these words, big deal. That's how I felt. Put the car in park, turned it off. It'll never start again. You know, this is it. We're going to go in, eat the last piece of bread and die. And so my wife got Becky. you know, and we slowly walked and our home was a, a townhouse and Um, basement entry, and then you go up to the living levels and then to the uh, sleeping quarters up there. So it was like a three-floor townhome. And my wife got in there and she took her coat and boots off and went up the stairs with Becky. I was slower. Taking my coat off. Trying to figure out what went wrong. What did I do wrong, Lord? What did I do wrong? And while I'm getting my boots off, I hear my wife upstairs and she says, Oh, no! And I thought, Great! The dog has done something on the carpet. What else can possibly go wrong? And that's just what I said and it's just how I felt. And then my wife said, "Uh, Can you come up here? Yeah, I'm coming. And so upstairs I went and I looked at my wife And she was standing there in the living room holding a $20 bill. And all of a sudden the world stopped. Stopped turning. And I said, where did you get that? She said, it was on the Christmas tree. I said, no way. That's impossible. That tree's dead. It doesn't produce fruit. And it's not a money tree, it's a Christmas tree. And I said, the dog doesn't have any money. The dog didn't put it there. No one else had a key for our house. No one. We were the only ones that had a key to get in our home. How did that money get there? To this day, we haven't a clue how that money got in our house on that Christmas tree. But I'm telling you the truth. There was $20. Now, $20 back then is equal to about 44 bucks today. A little fistful of cash, eh? What, what do they say, a fistful of dollars? <laughs> I said, I know what to do with that. And I grabbed that 20 and I raced downstairs and I got my boots on and got my coat on, got the keys for the car, I ran out to the car, and I don't know how, but I knew that car would start. I just knew it would start I had no more doubt. I could care less about the red light. I knew that car would start and I knew it would get me to the gas station. And sure enough, it got me to the gas station. I put in $10 worth of gas. Gas was about 30 cents a liter, (laughs) something like that. I put in 30 liters, something like that. 30 cents a liter. 35 cents a liter. It doesn't matter. I put in 10 bucks of gas. Like I filled the the tank about half full. You know, I felt like a king. I felt like I was so rich, 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 as I handed that 20 and got 10 back. I said, thank you kindly, keep the change. I I put it in my pocket. And then I went over to the grocery store and I bought a gallon of milk and I think I bought a loaf of bread, something like that. Anyhow, got back in the car, and I'm telling the devil, "You stupid, you fool, you idiot, devil! You a? If your if your brains were dynamite, you couldn't blow your nose. You are so dense. You are so dumb because our God is so great, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do." And I drove back singing the Hallelujah chorus. Pulled in, turned off the key. You know, I came out a conquering hero is what I felt like. And I walked in the front door. Oh, honey. Your hero is home. (laughs) Kind of crazy, you know, but that's how I felt. That's how I felt that day. God came through for me. And it wasn't anything really that I had done. It was our God. He's the one. He's the one that saved our bacon. Wow! Oh, wow! Now you might be thinking, Pastor, duh, it's only 20 bucks. Duh. You know, you bought a, a gallon of milk? And a loaf of bread. Duh. (laughs) It's still Christmas time. Well, I'll tell you something. Duh. God wasn't done with us yet. The next day, the next morning, there was a knock at the door. I'll get it. So I went downstairs, opened the door, and there's one of the men of our church. And he's standing there with his winter clothes on, and his arms were loaded with bags of groceries. And I said, come in, Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> and and I, I, I'll never forget the look of him, the look on his face. His face was almost saying like, I, I don't know if you want these. I, I, I'm not sure, but, but I, I want to give them to you. And I, I said, how did you know? He said, I just felt God wanted me to do that for you. It just seemed like God was telling me to buy the pastor some groceries. I called my wife down. We stood there dumbfounded. Oh, we thanked him so much. And in one of the bags, there was a turkey, a Christmas turkey. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Anyhow, we hugged him and shook his hand and, you know, blessed him, and on he went. And we just took all those groceries upstairs and we rejoiced at God's goodness. But God wasn't done with us. Over that week, we had more people give us groceries and another turkey. We had two turkeys that Christmas. And we were given envelopes and cards and some of them had money in it. The bottom line is, we got more that Christmas than we ever had ever before. Oh, it's a prayer of faith. God will not suffer the soul of the righteous to be moved. It's true, beloved. It is as true, as true as I'm standing here. It's true. We serve a great big wonderful God. And He knows how to look after His children. And when you and I do something for His glory, by faith, He sees it. And He takes note of it. Prayers done by faith are heard, seen, and heard by God and answered. We're talking tonight about the prayer of faith. I'm sharing these things with you to try and encourage you to do something by faith. I believe with all my heart that we stand upon the threshold of greater things than we've ever seen before as a church. And again, I'll tell you, I don't know 100% if that building on 104 is the building God will give us, but I know 100% we're going the right direction. Did you know that it's a lot easier to steer a car that's moving rather than a car that's sitting there? It's hard to turn the wheel even sometimes. But you get that car moving and it's very easy to turn it. And that's what God will do with us as a church. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. And we are in the hand of the Lord and he will turn us whithersoever he will. Are we doing the right thing? Trying to raise a million dollars? Of course we are. Because listen, remember, it's not even our money. It's God's money we're asking Him to give to us so we can give back to Him. That's what we're asking Him for, right? Amen? Yeah. So we're not out any money. We're asking God to give us the money so we can put it into His building fund. And the building on 104, if God gives us the building, that ginormous building, if He gives it to us, He will give us all of the money we need to get it ready but pastor, it'll take millions. Where will that come from? Go talk to God about it because He'll supply it. He'll supply us all of the manpower we need. We're going to need some heavy-duty manpower to get that done. Pastor, where will that come from? By faith. God will supply it. He will supply everything we need at the right time. What a story we're going to have, folks. Whether this is the final resting place for GBC or not, we are going to have stories to tell. We're going to have a testimony in this city of the greatness of our God. All these other religious groups, be they Eastern religions or even some of the Christian cults, they don't have faith. All they have is like businesses, and they look into their pockets and purses, and they go to the banks, and they run up mortgages, and that's how they raise money. That's not God's method. God's method is, trust me, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I fully expect that as we go through this project, we're going to go through it debt-free. We're going to have a story to tell. I don't want to be hook, you know, hook, line, and sinker for tens of millions of dollars in debt for the rest of our existence. What kind of a testimony is that? The world can do that. I want to see God provide. Yeah. That's what I want to see. And I believe it with all my heart. Listen. How is it that these miracles can happen? It's the prayer of faith. When a prayer is made by faith, then God hears. Now you're there in James. I'd like you to just turn to the right to 1 John. 1 John. And go to chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Get your uh, reading glasses on and <clears throat> tune up your voice. I want you to help me to read out verses 14 and 15. 1 John five, fourteen and 15. If you have it, read it out with me now. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Look at it again. Follow as I read. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will. Well, Pastor, wait just a minute. How do we know that building is His will? Well, we'll never know if we don't ask. We'll never know if we don't drive around it and park and pray. We'll never know if we don't every day pray, Lord, thy will be done. Now, what is your will concerning that building? And if it's God's will for us to be in that building, you will find that our hearts will start to warm up, that our faith will start to build, that our confidence will become solid, and we'll say, I, don't, I can't understand, I can't explain it, but I just feel, yes, that's the place. That's where God wants us. This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, he heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, even a building like that, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. That's how it works. As we pray and seek the Lord, as we read Scripture, as we give ourselves to God daily and seek God, we will know. I met my wife in 1977 boy, I thought, I think she's a knockout. And boy, she'd, I think she'd be a wonderful, wonderful woman to marry and make my wife. But I just don't know for sure. I just don't know if she's the one for me or not. I just, I just, Lord, is there a Bible verse that has her name in it? No, can't find her name. What am I going to do? I continue to pray, continue to grow in faith, and uh, I'm a slowpoke. It took her six months to know for sure I was the one. It took me two years. But One day I knew. I just knew, I knew, I knew she's the one. There's no other. Of course she's the one. I knew she was the one. And then that's when I went and got a ring and a box of candy and some flowers. I got down on my, my knees and I asked her to marry me. that was the hardest thing in the whole world, I'll tell you. It was easier for me to give my, my body to God at the altar than to, to do what I did and ask, would you marry me? And um, I'll never forget her answer. She said, really? That wasn't the answer I wanted to hear. <laughs> what went wrong? Would you marry me? Really? It still doesn't work. So after she said really, really about four or five times, she finally said Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, And so anyhow, the rest is history. But it says here that if we will pray according to God's will, and this is the thing, He will make His will known. Just like I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew she was the one. Just like when I come to start uh, Grace Baptist Church 20 years ago, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew it was God's will to do. So we went ahead and did it. You see how it works? You need to get up to that building if you haven't already. You need to drive up there tonight. And drive around it at least once and park and bow your head and pray. Lord, what is your will? Show me. I need to know. Especially if you're a voting member of this church. You have a responsibility to pray and ask God's will. I, I couldn't tell you 100% if that's the building, but I can tell you this, it's 100% what we're doing the exercise of rising in faith and raising a million dollars by faith and making an offer on a building that's so ginormous out of our reach that it has to be of God, what we're doing is God's will. We're absolutely doing God's will. And it's just up to God whether He opens this door or closes it. That's how it works. And remember, we have to do a church vote down the road very soon. Remember that too. We want to maintain protocol. It's the prayer of faith in action. It's not praying, Lord, my will be done. Lord, I don't care what you want. I want that building. It's not that at all. It's what will honor you, Lord. What do you want done? That's how we need to pray. Now as a church, we've started to raise a million dollars already. Money has come into the building fund. Our building fund has um, uh, is at $60,000. It's been there for a few years. Uh, sitting there at $60,000. But uh, since we started this, the million dollar um, miracle million, it's starting to to come in. It's starting to come in. I don't have the figures here for you this week. I'll have them for you next week. I may post them on that back wall there. But uh, it's starting to happen, folks. Money is already starting to come in. Remember, each of us needs to be praying, Lord, I'd like to be able to give something to you. Not a... You know, 10 or 20 bucks. i got that in my wallet right now. Lord, I want something big. Something I don't have. And I want You to give it to me so I can give it back to You. That's how I want You to be praying this. No one is to go into debt. Don't spend money you don't have. Don't do that. That's not going to honor God. Okay? Get the money from God. Out of the blue. Lord, give it to me. Surprise me. Give me the money. I'll give it back to You. That's how I want You to do it so that it's an even bigger miracle. Okay? That's what we want, is we want a miracle to happen. Now, a couple, two or three things that are important here. Number one is that you ask God to give you money out of the blue so you can give it back to Him in the building fund. That's point number one. Point number two, you pray about this and ask God how much money. So don't just pick a figure. Don't just say, a million dollars. Don't do that. You haven't prayed about it. Now if you have prayed a lot about it and you really feel that God has laid that figure on your heart that he really is going to give you a million dollars, then ask him for a million dollars. I prayed a lot about it. I came up with 10000 That's what I came up with. My wife did the same thing. She came up with 10000 I don't have that money, but I believe God's going to supply the money. And I'm just going to turn right around and give it to God. That's the miracle. You say, well, what if if we never get the building? I'm not out anything. You know, God gives the money. I wouldn't have had it anyhow. But it's going to God's cause. It's not going to my pockets. It's going to God's cause. It's sacred money. This is done by faith, folks. That's where our faith comes in. Don't listen to the devil. He don't know nothing. Okay? He's just going to confuse you and tell you lies. Don't listen to the devil. You listen to the Lord. Be sensitive. If you're not sure today, keep praying. Maybe tomorrow you'll be sure. Maybe it'll be the next day you'll be sure. But anyhow, you want to ask God for money out of the blue so you can give it back to Him. Point number two is you want to get the the specific amount from God. Pray about it. And God will impress your heart with a certain amount. Uh, Now there's a third point. And this third point is one of God's special instructions in order to get the money to start to flow. And that is in Luke 6.38, you know the verse, give and it shall be given unto you. But do you notice that the verse doesn't stop there? Jesus doesn't say, give and it shall be given unto you, period. He goes on and He says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Four extra things shall men give into your bosom. And so what does that mean? The idea is you'd go with your, your bushel basket. And typically, you know, you know, you get in line, whatever, someone pours in. you ever buy a box of cereal and get it home and find out that about one-third of it is air? Have you ever found that? Yes? And then you say, what's going on? And you read these little words and what do they say? Some settling may occur. Right? And so, at the factory, maybe it did start full, but over the period of moving it you know, to the store shelves and to your home, the settling caused it to come down like this. And now, out of a box this big, there's only this much cereal in it. Okay? Well, God took that into account. When God gives, He takes that into account. And so He says in, in Luke 6.38, Give, and it shall be given unto you a good measure. So that's the proper amount there. And then press down. So God pushes it down to make more room. And then uh, He'll top that up. And then it says, shaken together. And so He'll shake it to get all the settling done. Take out all the air and all the space. And then He doesn't stop there. He says, running over. So He'll add more until it is running over. He says, shall men give into your bosom? Give and it shall be given unto you. That's true. But look how God does it. When God gives, it's way better than how man gives. And God can afford to do it. He's got all of the wealth. And so, uh, in fact, turn back a few pages, please. I want you to see something. Galatians chapter 6. Go back a few pages. Galatians chapter 6. This verse in Galatians, I think, ties hand in hand with the verse in Luke chapter 6. So Galatians chapter 6. And I want you to read with me, verse number seven, Galatians chapter six, verse seven. Please read it out loud with me now. Be not deceived; God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, if you're making an average salary these days, you're making a pretty good wage. And you say, "Okay, given it shall be given unto you." Okay, uh, they don't make pennies anymore, but they still make nickels. Here is one nickel. There, the smallest bit of money I can find. There's a, there's a nickel. Now, pour it to me, Lord. Now, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So God may give you a nickel back. Don't be upset. You just gave a nickel. Find a need. Find a legitimate need. Find someone that has a legitimate need and give to that need. And make sure it's a legitimate need. Don't give to a drug addict who wants drug money or an alcoholic who wants alcohol money. Find a legitimate need. Give to that need in secret. That is what triggers the giving process. Give and it shall be given unto you. Let your alms be in secret, that your Father which seeth in secret may reward you openly. And so that is the key. So it's very important. And it's very important that we don't be stingy. That's what Galatians 6-7. Find a legitimate need and give to that need. And God said, if you do that, you will obligate me to give back to you. Luke 6-38. And, and so, you might be wondering, well, Pastor, you've told a few good, amazing stories, and I believe you. I don't doubt you. These things actually happened to you. Some of them were scary, but wow, what a story. Huh? God's goodness. But is this prayer of faith, is this just for pastors? Is it only pastors? Is it only you men of the cloth that can do these things, these superhuman things, or can anyone do them? And the answer is whosoever will. I'll tell you something, in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, it says God is no respecter of persons. Just because you're not preaching behind this pulpit every Sunday doesn't mean you can't see God do miracles in your life. God is looking, hear me, He is looking for believers who will go into partnership with Him. He is looking for men and women with whom He can partner with in order to do a few miracles. And many Christians over the years have taken God up on His offer. If you want to see it, and with this we'll be finished, turn to the Old Testament and go to Second Chronicles. Now that's going to challenge somebody here tonight. Second Chronicles. I didn't even know there was a first Chronicles. Yeah, apparently. So Second Chronicles, and you want to go to chapter sixteen. I'll give you plenty of time to do that. I'm going to have a drink of water. Here. Second Chronicles, chapter sixteen, uh, page four ninety one in my Bible. Now, we're only going to read half the verse. That's all we need. Chapter 16 and verse 9. I would suggest you you take your pencil or pen and underline these words, folks, and that you claim this verse for yourself tonight. Okay, let's read the first half of the verse. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. Let's read it out loud together. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. A heart that's perfect toward God will trust in God. A heart that's perfect toward God will love God and obey God. A heart that's perfect toward God will have faith in God and believe God for great things. God is looking for someone. His eyes are running All the time. Looking, 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 looking. Whoa, stop right here, Lord. You're looking for someone? Here am I, Lord. You're looking for someone that will trust you, that will love you, that will act in faith? That's me. that's, That's my desire. If Hudson Taylor could do it, Lord, I'd like to try it. I want to do something by faith for you. Tonight, why don't you claim that verse as your own? And put into practice the prayer of faith. You can do that. You can do that right where you're sitting. Let's all bow our heads for prayer.